welcome to More Like Guidelines, an actual player game design podcast. I am your host and, oh, not GL today, Jessica Crimes, she, her. From our regular cast, I am joined by... Hi, I'm Candle, he, him. And we are joined by two very special guests. Really excited to have them on the show. Johnny and Sasha, would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi, uh, I'm Johnny Sims, he, him. And I'm Sasha Sienna, uh, she, he and they. Today we are going to be playing a MacGuffin micro setting, Twisted Rails. Candle is going to be running it for us. Johnny and Sasha, could you tell us anything about this kickstarted compilation or about Twisted Rails itself? So uh, our company, MacGuffin, uh, MacGuffin and Company, we do uh, a lot of uh, tabletop stuff. But one thing that we do a lot of are called micro settings, uh, which are, I mean, they're like normal settings, but smaller. Well, the, I think there's more to it than that um, and less to it than that. So the micro settings are basically intended to be system neutral, like small but satisfying worlds that you can get a a good story from in like a month's weekly role-playing sessions. So we noticed that a lot of the reasons that we weren't playing the games that we really wanted to was we just didn't have time to do another year-long campaign to feel like we'd really dived into everything. And so we felt like, what if we removed the the year-long expectation and also removed the barrier of having to learn a new system? Not that we think it's always a barrier. We think it's often very easy, but there's often a perceived barrier. And so the micro settings are intended to be like um, lunchables, if you will, or meal <laughs> deals, you know, like. That's fair. I mean, I'm sure Candle would agree that these oh, are yeah, really no. easy to pick up and use. I, I read through quite a few of them trying to decide which one to do, and they're all amazing. Also, mm. uh, because we don't need to be thinking about oh well what's the whole world what's the grand campaign like we can be we can go really weird with it yeah definitely you know? we can you can really just zoom in on like some specific part you know well this whole world might be interesting but right now we're interested in the people who are hunting some ghosts in space like that's what this setting is about what i like is that you can uh like sort of just play in the space yeah get weird with it yeah absolutely like because they're quite short and self-contained there there's very much a sort of like well just add whatever you want like this is this is uh like a a canvas to do whatever strange just like strange small campaign you really want to do uh we're currently kickstarting an anthology of uh 10 of them maybe 11 or 12 if kicks if if stretch goals are reached if stretch goals are reached uh and that is called odd jobs uh and it's on kickstarter now the link is, as ever, in the episode description. So, Candle, uh, would you like to give us a rundown on uh, the game we'll be playing today? Yes. So uh, we're going to be playing in the micro-setting Twisted Rails. We're going to be using an extremely abbreviated version of Fate Abbreviated, uh, Accelerated, uh, which is just, we have rules that we can use as guidelines if we need them. Uh, and we've already created our characters, but first I wondered if uh, Johnny or Sasha could give us a rundown on Twisted Rails, specifically since you wrote it, and then I'll I'll describe the actual scenario that we're doing. Uh, sure. So um, in Twisted Rails, something in reality has fundamentally broken, gone very wrong. Snapped. Snapped, yeah. Um, so the natures of physics and of what things are... Uh, just kind of broke down and now everything's kind of constantly changing into different substances different um structures and everything is very very dangerous but also very weird except for these small pockets of normality called bubbles in which humanity is surviving they are quite spread out though so the only way to travel between bubbles with any kind of relative safety is through the twist yeah um it would like the twist is the the weird psychoscape that reality has been replaced by um and you have to travel from bubble to bubble on uh weird trains huge armored <laughs> steam trains okay so yep that is uh 
a basic rundown of Twisted Rails, and it's it's sort of um, a combination. I, I I had it sort of like as having a bit of a Western flavor, um, just like yeah, in, that in my was brain. N- not unintended. Yeah, which I really like, and and I, I love the sort of the tone that it, it seems to set. Um, I'll just I guess uh, read a quick background that it's it's been thirty years since the chaos started. Uh, no one remembers where it hit first, but most survivors remember when the world around them stopped working as it should. The changes spread from town to city, to country, to continent. Churning waters became rivers of ash. Cliff faces eroded as millennia passed for them in an hour. Grass turned to ice, then to clay, then to rolling fields of smoke. And then reality just sort of fell apart and people had to pick up the pieces and reform their societies. Is that pretty much yeah that's, that's about yeah. that's about it yeah did yeah we write that? <laughs> you did yeah you that's did not... <laughs> sorry you impressed like, with yourself a little bit <laughs> i was like oh that's good i mean it is yeah it is yeah i know you wrote that bit that's why i'm that's why i'm okay grinning at i'm not actually blowing my own trumpet i'm blowing my partner's trumpet okay thank you so um, you are going to be playing today a crew of twist riders uh, who uh, crew the trains that go back and forth through the twist. Uh, and uh, you have been hired on as a crew with a captain that you haven't worked with before, but you're heading out from Cole Shore, so probably reputable, probably. And uh, if you could just introduce your characters, please. Uh, Jess, if you want to start. All right, let's roll the dice and see which voice comes out. <laughs> my name is Piston Henchley. Oh, I am twist touched, oh as God. you can tell by my metallic exterior. <laughs> I don't I'm know a what I was expecting. Fella. And some folks say I'm flashy. <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to know about my new best friend, Piston? Yeah, so um, you uh, you said you were twist-touched, yep? That is, in fact, correct. Yep. Cool. Uh, what do you look like, Piston Henchley? Uh, I'm going to drop out the character voice right now to process this one. I'm imagining oh. Piston as having a metallic sheen to their skin from being overexposed to the twist on previous voyages. Um, and uh, whatever metal our train is made of that is the sheen that has taken to piston's skin they've started to become gently more and more locomotive like they're big bulky and hard to stop when they start moving i love that nice i'm also discovering now that piston uses they them pronouns cool i'm gonna add that to the little character sheet thing so um does steam ever come out of them at any point? In a fight, if Piston has to do a proper good punch, there might be a bit of like steam out the elbow. Love that. Ooh, maybe like a, a train whistle screech. <laughs> Ooh. Here is the other thing I want to say. Piston has essentially a vestigial steam chimney just slightly growing out of the uh, top left of their head. It doesn't normally do anything. I love the use of the word vestigial because yeah. it implies that it used to be a functional thing. <laughs> but, but evolution has run it dry. It used to be a functional chimney on a train. It's just been They don't twisted. need it anymore. <laughs> yeah, the universe has decided that the train didn't need it. Uh, uh, Johnny, can you describe your character, please? Certainly. Uh, leaning into the the Westerner thing, uh, I'm going to be playing Colonel Mortimer, uh, who is uh, an old, like a rail warrior um, who's ridden the rails for many years and taken part in in many uh, like rail battles. Uh, and he he is uh, you know he he looks like Lee Van Cleef playing the role of Colonel Mortimer in A Few Dollars More. <laughs> that, that is that is just who I am playing. In the world of Twisted Rails. Uh, All right. And Sasha. Okay. Um... Howdy, my name is Cole Bridges. (laughs) 
I have been a train driver for since I was about yay high, uh, which, <laughs> as you may see from where my hand is, is the same height I am now. I sprouted very early. Um, I have a, lo- a large bushy beard and uh, a-, a permanent sheen of sweat from all my time in the Andron room. I really want to apologize to any American listeners. Please <laughs> don't let this put you off backing our Kickstarter. You know, just like these accents are not an inherent part of the micro settings. You know, if you want to do dumb British voices uh, when you play them, just don't, don't, it's, it's fine. This isn't supposed it's to fine. be I'm going to give American all of the accent. This is a Coleshaw accent. Oh, yeah. yeah, of course. Of course, you're quite right. In which case, I retract my apology. Uh, screw you, Americans. This accent has nothing to do with you. It's an entirely fictionalised <laughs> accent. It's, it's, it's fine. I'll just give the NPCs bad English accents to make up for it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Cole Bridges uses he pronouns? Uh, yes. Okay. Because I'm going to be calling you by your character names. <clears throat> okay, let's see here. So, Piston Henchley, Colonel Mortimer, who will only be addressed by Colonel, I assume. Uh, right. And Cole Bridges, you have all been hired on a one-off uh, journey to Blossom Grove. Uh, under the Captain Emer Peregrine. She is the captain of a train called the Outskirts Cry. It is uh, an old train. Uh, it's quite a bit, it's, it's seen a lot. It's been through a lot and it's come out the other end. So that's how you know it's reliable. She loves her train. And she is, uh, she has taken on this, um, she's taken on this mission at the behest of uh, sort of an affluent Coleshore merchant uh, who is transporting? So you you've been charged with transporting an extremely valuable cargo from Coleshore to Blossom Grove uh, as a gift for the mayor of Blossom Grove. Coleshore being the big town, the big bubble where a lot of things are essentially headquartered, right? Yeah, Coleshore is the bubble. So at the edge of each bubble is what's known as uh, like the shore, where things are a little bit. Things are gradually being transformed by the twist, but in each bubble, it's not random. Each each bubble has a specific thing that their outskirts is being transformed into. Uh, and Coleshaw uh, got very lucky, and it is coal, uh, which means that it is very much uh, supplies most of the trains out there and is quite aggressively expansionist. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the outlying bubbles have recently been coming under the protection of Coleshaw. Uh, oh, I also just want to mention, uh, Colonel is probably not a rank in this world. Colonel is uh, Mortim- uh, Colonel Mortimer's first name. It's his name, okay. <laughs> what a cute little baby. We shall name him Colonel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, you have just set off. So the train is already on the rails and taking off, um, and uh, you know just a little bit about your cargo and a little bit about your passengers, because there are passengers, they are traveling with this cargo, uh, not to guard it, but because they want to be there when they present it to the mayor uh, of Blossom Grove. Uh, there is uh, Karina Grisham. She is a wealthy investor from Coleshore, uh, and she hopes to win over uh, the mayor of uh, Blossom Grove, Dillon Creek, with this, uh, with this gift. She is accompanied by uh, two um, two X train X rail riders, uh, and they are uh, here because they actually discovered this gift that you are going to be uh, escorting to Blossom Grove. Uh, this is a diamond. It's it's a huge chrysalis made out of pure diamond. Ooh. Uh, so extremely fancy, extremely shiny, and very expensive looking. And uh, it has been secured in the cargo or the freight car of this train. The train has five cars uh, and and the uh, the locomotive as well. So six, 
uh, cars. Um, and yep, you have just set off. Uh, the uh, you, you are all located in the caboose, uh, which is home sweet home, distinctly uncomfy bunks, a little camp stove, racks to hang your dirty socks, no personal privacy, but, you know, it's home. Uh, the next car down is the freight, which is where the chrysalis is being kept, along with a little bit of other cargo. Then there is the two cabins for the passengers. There's a wreck cabin and a sleeping cabin. Uh, it's not supposed to be a long voyage, but who knows? It could be. Uh, time moves strangely in the twist. And then finally, just before the locomotive, is the armory, which contains just about anything a discerning twist rider could need to fend off pirates and screamers, which are twist-oriented monsters, basically. Yeah, either animals that have been turned into things animals shouldn't be, or things that aren't animals turned into animals. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Right as you set off, you have been summoned to the locomotive uh, by Emer Peregrine. Uh, she wants you all to gather uh, in the armory for a quick chat. Uh, and um, you can go ahead and pass through the cars if you like, and I'll describe each one as you pass through them. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Colonel Mortimer is uh, keeping and like just, he's going a little bit slower than the others. Uh, just keeping a very close eye on passengers and just like trying to make a mental note of whether any of the passengers are armed, like what they're up to, like just just keeping an eye out for any suspicious behaviour. Yes, of course. Also hiding his face slightly from, are there any, uh, are there any Coleshaw sort of uh, officials uh, in the party? There is only... Uh, Karina Grisham, she's she's like she's pretty well known in the in the more affluent mm -hmm. spheres of Coleshore. Um, but aside from that, the uh, there's only four passengers: uh, sure. Karina and there's the two ex-rail riders, both of whom have sort of settled down in Coleshore in the in recent years and seem to be mostly civilians now. They don't really seem very dangerous. Uh, and then there is uh, Karina's um, attendant, Albert. Okay. Uh, well, Colonel Mortimer's trying his best to like not get noticed uh, by Karina or Albert. Right. Okay. So you, when you arrive to the uh, car two, which is the the wreck car, that's where all four of the passengers are. Um, you can see uh, Karina and Albert are sitting together at one of the tables, uh, and they, these are tables that are like bolted to the wall so that you know in in case of turbulence they don't go flying everywhere uh and uh the two uh ex-rail riders whose names you know are roland and jasper they're having a quiet argument in the opposite corner at a different table uh but nobody nobody really looks up as you come in because you, you're just you know you're just the yeah. the crew okay can i overhear what their argument is about uh, sure. I think we should do a roll. I think we okay. should do some dice. How exciting. <laughs> it's always oh, an occasion. On this yeah, I know. Um, so let me see here. So you are, I'm, I'm guessing if you're trying to overhear, uh, it's going to be a sneaky approach. Okay. Yeah, I or think careful. probably a sneaky approach. Um, I mean, I'll go careful if I can get away with it, because that's higher, mm. but uh, sneaky, but I think it feels more sneaky than careful. Yeah, okay. So in that case, let's see. Rolling. So I think I've got I've got these heavy these heavy metal dice. I think. Oh, that's a good sound. So that uh, is a good that's, sound. That that is uh ultimately a plus zero. Uh so that is a two. Okay, so then um I'm gonna say Jasper uh is going to roll against you. Roland doesn't really care. Um and let's do that. So that is also a two. So I think ties. So they they do notice you approaching and they break off, but you manage to hear some of their conversation before uh, before they notice you. Jasper is he seems significantly more agitated than than Roland does, uh, and Jasper is saying, "No, I just want to be rid of it." I am so ready for it to be gone. It's caused us enough trouble, much more than it's worth, and it's putting you in danger. I don't care about money. I just want people's eyes off of 
and then he notices you and breaks off. Uh, Roland, I should describe him. He is the self-proclaimed discoverer of this diamond chrysalis. Uh, and he has, he's been through it. It looks like, uh, he has literal glass eyes. So, uh, very sort of uncanny looking, um, like faceted eyeballs. And he has this whitened hair that seems tipped with frosted glass, uh, and his skin is covered in, in patches of crystal. Um, and he looks kind of nervous, but not uh, not distressed the way that, that Jasper does. And then they see you coming and they, and they break off and pretend to be acting natural. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I, like, I'm not going to put, I'm not going to push it. I'm just going to like log it away and uh follow up the others um follow up the others uh, just resting a hand on uh the old uh the old guns just to make sure <laughs> just, you know just as a tip. right right and uh i i should have mentioned none of the passengers are are visibly armed because uh firearms and and weapons are kept in the armory and passengers are not allowed to have them during the uh during during the voyage sure um, so, uh, unless, uh, Piston Henchley and Cole Bridges want to, uh, do any investigating, uh, as they pass through this car, then I will fast forward to the, uh, the armory where Emir Peregrine is waiting for you. I think Piston's happy to just mind their own business at this point. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think it just wouldn't at all occur to Cole to not just go straight there, or that there might okay. be anything to investigate. All right. So, uh, yeah, Emer is waiting for you. She is um, she is the captain of the Outskirts Cry, and she is um, capable but excessively paranoid. And that is that is one of her aspects. Uh, she's seen a lot of trouble in her day, uh, and she's also been through the twist quite a few times. One half of her body is covered in soft feathers, and one of her eyes is bright orange. Uh, but aside from that, she looks fine. Uh, but she is extremely nervous today. She's pacing back and forth in in the armory carriage, and she keeps she keeps checking on on the guns on the racks. And as soon as you come in, she uh, runs past you and shuts shuts the cabin door. And she says, "Took you long enough." What's the problem, boss? Well, right now, nothing. But I know there's going to be a problem. You know why? Now is for smiling. <laughs> I don't know why I hired you. <laughs> what the do you think the trouble is? is? Okay. Well, okay. First of all, we are transporting an extremely valuable cargo. And when there is an extremely valuable cargo, in my experience, nine times out of ten, pirates. Mm. Now, I tried to be as secretive as possible with this situation but something tells me that word got around so i'm very worried that there's going to be an incident on the tracks and i just need all of you to be extra vigilant oh what makes you think that word's gotten around captain experience also i'm excessively paranoid (laughs) fair enough I'm going to be honest with you, Captain. I personally have my own reservations about the cargo itself. Do you know much about this? Well, forgive me if I come across as ignorant here, but in my experience, chrysalises generally hatch. Chrysalai? Chrysalai. Chrysalodes. Okay. Uh, What's your name? Piston? Uh, Mortimer. Oh, you're Mortimer. Great. Uh, Mr. Colonel, yeah, Piston, go sit over there and just don't say anything. Um, listen, Colonel Mortimer, I only have so much energy, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, all of my energy is going to ensuring a safe voyage here, and that means preventing any exterior conflict. Sorry, did you say sit here or sit here? Just over th- a little bit, a little bit, no, not on top of the cannon. Here? Uh, yeah, that's that's fine. Just don't touch anything. 
Too late. Oh, God. Uh, so, I know, but it's just called a chrysalis, see? It's made out of solid diamond. We've we've tapped on it. We've hit it with things. It's fine. Well, that does reassure me. Good. I'm glad to hear it. That's That's not mm. what I'm worried about here. What I'm worried about is pirates. Because I'm always worried about pirates. Because I'm excessively paranoid. So please, just be extra vigilant. Have any of you seen anything? Anything worth worth being even more paranoid about? Train's in a bad mood. Well, what was Captain, if I had seen something to be paranoid about, I would have informed you of it immediately. Some of the passengers seem antsy about our cargo. In a way that really? makes me slightly antsy about our cargo. Did you ever hear anything? Not much. Said something about it being bad luck, bringing them trouble. Bad luck? Well, I mean, that—that that is a sort of par for the course with any extremely valuable object. I wouldn't know. Don't you think? I wouldn't know. I've lived Never. a comparatively poverty-stricken life. Fair enough, I suppose. Well, all of you just keep your eyes peeled, all right? Oh, one other thing. Please, just keep a close eye on the outside. There's no windows on the train, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. that, yeah, yeah, so uh, the, the interior of the train is lit by very dim, sort of orange electric lights. Um, and there's no, there's no windows. The only glimpse you get of the outside is when you're passing from one car to another, or if you are, for some reason, on top of the train. And you can also look out through the, through the front of the locomotive. And she, uh, she says, yeah, just keep a very close eye on the smokestack, please. Uh, because I want some forewarning if we're about to enter a bad patch. I'm telling you, train's in a bad mood. Train's, what do you, what, okay, what do you mean? Bad vibes. Train's in a bad mood. I don't, Okay. I'm sure it's all gonna go smooth. Piston, it's a train. I love her to pieces, but she's a train. She is an inanimate object. And she's in a bad mood. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. Colonel, because you overheard the passengers being antsy, I'm going to ask all of you, for the duration of this voyage, just keep a close eye on them. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know it might be considered uh, in any other situation to be potentially unethical, but if you could, just just look out and uh, maybe look through their things quietly. I will be the very model of discretion. Wonderful. You would like us to spy on them actively by rooting through their belongings? I realize that this isn't specifically part of your contract, per se. I'm just saying it would mean a lot to me if you did. Oh, no, I just wanted to be clear before I started doing anything that might get me fired. No, no, you won't get fired. For that, specifically. You only get fired if you maybe betrayed me in some way. Piston, uh, I might actually suggest you head up top, keep an eye on the twist. Uh, I feel like that might suit your skill sets a little bit uh, closer than the the subtlety and care required to uh, investigate potentially antagonistic forces within this train. I shall do my pretty little best. All right. Um, so to get back to your caboose, you have to pass through all five cars. Mm-hmm. First car is the armory. Second car is the passenger cabin. Uh, and the third car is the wreck. And the fourth car is the freight. Let's take a break. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> So, yep, you have just been tasked by the Captain Emer Peregrine with snooping in your passenger's stuff. You can go and explore any of the cars that you like. You can interrogate the passengers. You can snoop through their belongings. It is up to you. I believe we said Piston was heading on either between carriages or on top of the train to keep an eye on things, make sure nothing's getting too twisty. 
Okay, sure. Um, at the moment, the entire outside and the sky is basically uh, the interior of a giant Escher house. Um, oh. Yeah, it's fun. There's stairs on in the sky uh, that double back on themselves, and there's doors that lead to nowhere, and uh it's it's very confusing to look at because you are definitely inside while being outside at the same time and the uh the smokestack uh if you look over at it it is currently gushing out hot coffee so seems to be all right Hmm, middlingly dangerous yeah it's fine i'm sure it's fine okay uh in which case um colonel mortimer where where would the passengers uh luggage be kept so that would be in car two. It's just after the armory. They, uh, It's in the cabin. So they're reasonably comfortable bunks for passengers, mm-hmm. separate from the crew quarters in the caboose. Uh, and this car has storage compartments uh, underneath the bunks for luggage okay. and other things. So uh, Colonel Mortimer uh, is going to uh, probably ask Cole to uh, keep an eye on the passengers and, and let him know if any of them are coming. Uh, uh you want sorry, you want me to stay in the rat car and just watch. If it looks to... like any of the passengers are heading towards, then here. we need some sort of a signal, like a bird call. Or uh, what would you advise? Maybe a bird call. Okay, I will give you a bird call. If I see the passenger moving. Okay, if it is a slow move, uh, an owl's hoot. If it is more (laughs) immediately dangerous, if they're coming very quickly, uh, some sort of eagle-eyed screech. Understood. I'm sure neither of those will arouse any suspicion whatsoever. Colonel Mortimer is going to start going very carefully through, uh, start start with Roland's stuff and just very carefully, like, being very careful to keep a, a note of where everything was before he started rummaging, uh, okay. so he can replace it uh, with uh, as, as little evidence of interference as possible. Okay, perfect. Give me a roll for, I guess, careful. Uh, I got a three. Okay. Yep, you're fine. Um, so uh, you are rummaging through Roland's things. It's mostly flannel button-down shirts and notebooks. Lots of, like, they seem to be handmade, like, leather-bound notebooks that have been scribbled in and drawn in, and if you want to go ahead and leaf through them... Uh, Just a quick, just just quick to see if there's anything obviously relevant. Uh, Drawings, it's full of drawings that look like they're trying to be scientific, but are sort of too amateur to really be anything at all. Do they look at all like the chrysalis? There are a lot of drawings of the chrysalis, actually. Or it, you you assume of the chrysalis. It's mm-hmm. not a very good drawing. Interesting. It's just little notes on like the appearance of the chrysalis and how many facets it has and what quality of diamond it seems to be. Anything that would indicate that those details have been changing. Nothing in particular that okay. that you get from like a quick a quick leaf through. Mm. Okay, can uh, Mortimer will replace them. Uh, and start to go with uh, and have a look through Jasper's. So uh, Jasper is also a lot of flannel shirts. Uh, there is a wedding ring that you find. Oh, um, not on his fingers, I noticed. <laughs> someone's someone's maybe looking to uh, to to go cruising through the twist in more ways than one. <laughs> nice. Uh, there is um, there's a little a little locket. Uh, it seems it seems that uh, Jasper might be a bit of a secret romantic. Um, uh, and uh, who's in the locket? Oh, it's Roland. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a picture. There's a picture of Roland pre glass eyes, pre glassification, if you will. Uh, but you can still tell it's him. He has he has sort of very distinctive, elastic looking face. Uh, and then underneath all of that, at the bottom of the bag... That's what I looked for in my men, a nicer elastic <laughs> Uh At the bottom of the bag is a small handgun. Okay. Uh, and it is loaded. Fun. Yeah, um, the colonel is going to take the ammunition out. 
okay. it um, okay. and replace it as it was before. All right. Uh, now the, the two remaining passengers would be Karina Grisham, the wealthy investor from Cold Shore, and her attendant, Albert. I'm going to go with the attendant's one. All right. First. Um, a lot of lotion in this bag. Just lotion, okay. various like scented perfumes, soaps. There's some hair pomade. Uh, okay. Colonel Morton is going to be very careful with this because he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to have the telltale, the telltale aroma. <laughs> okay. Uh, and there is also uh, a little envelope inside. Okay. Is it sealed? No, actually. Okay, in which case, let's 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 have a look. Let's let's. All right, all right. So um, it in is for a penny in for a snoop. Yeah, uh, if you unfold it, it's it's written on. It's a note that's been written on uh, a very sort of expensive-looking, fancy stationery, the kind that you would keep on your desk and never use. Um, and the note says, in a very elegant hand, "No harm will come to her if you keep to the dark and follow the procedure I laid out to you." I understand your worry, but you have been dealing with her recalcitrance all her life. I'm sure you can find a way to make her follow instructions for once. I know mm. you think otherwise, but I did do my best to keep her from boarding the train. I have no particular wish to see her dead. Right. Okay. Well, that letter's uh, like, I'll replace <laughs> the envelope. I'll close the envelope. Replace the envelope. <laughs> uh, um, and... Uh, uh, is, is it signed? It is not signed. No. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm going to uh, give Cole a tap uh, to indicate that we're good. I, right, I'll be before honest. before you do that, yep. um, I'm actually going to flip back to Cole. Uh, Cole, you have not needed to give any sort of signal. None of the passengers are heading towards the carriage, but um, you do see as you are keeping watch on the wreck car. You see Roland Merriweather, the discoverer of the chrysalis. You see him get up, uh, pat Jasper twice on the shoulder, and then he heads not towards the cabin, but in the opposite direction towards the freight car, and he exits the wreck car. Okay, uh, so I will put away the book of uh, twist-themed poetry that I was reading upside down, (laughs) and very subtly... Follow them straight out. Okay, so you're 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 following Roland. Yeah. All right, that's fine. And uh, as you you pass uh, Karina, you see she is actually she's reading the same book of poetry. It's probably just like a, a popular twist poet. Um, uh, she called she's the twisted reading heart. Some... Yes, it is. It's called the twisted heart, and it's it's written by. Uh, Lady Chicken Grease, I don't know, uh, who is very famous <laughs> for having that name. name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah, it's just a book of, of twist poetry. And she looks up at you as you pass and then looks quickly down again, looking, she turns very red. Um, and you do notice, uh, she's, you know, she's dressed to the nines. She's, she's very fancy. She has her hair in like this, this extremely like sort of Victorian updo. And she has so many rings on her fingers that when she, whenever she turns a page of her, of her book, uh, they clack together and make a lot of noise. Sorry, my brain's <laughs> just gone 50 shades of twist, uh, which <laughs> is, uh, or twisted shades of gray. Hmm. Either is, either is she Yeah. Uh, anyway. Either way. Um, Cole will also like blush bright red Aww. and then slip out of the door okay um, real quick uh, Piston as you Hello. are leaning out of the train car just keeping an eye on the twist uh, you glance at the smokestack and uh, it's still fine still coffee uh, there, it does seem to be a little bit mixed with blood, which is not terribly unusual, but maybe a little bit noteworthy. I'd like to establish what my stunt will be. All right. Because this has just come to me. I've, I suddenly understand Piston as a character. Oh, good. Uh, Piston wears a duster coat with very, very deep pockets. And the deepest, biggest of these pockets, there's two of them are filled with uh, pebbles, tiny stones, things like that, little bits of detritus. 
And Piston's going to take a sec to just grab, you know, a small handful of those, lob them out the window as hard as they can, and just use when something weird happens to them to gauge how bad the twist is in this area. Okay. Uh, Yeah, they get about uh, 15, 20 feet away from the train, and they turn into crows. That's probably a bad sign, right? It's not great. It's not like we're heading in. It's not definitively like we're heading into a bad patch, but it's definitely uh, maybe don't go outside for now. The weather isn't great. Bad mood. It's raining, but it's not storming. Exactly. Yeah. 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 There's there's crows, but they aren't angry yet. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh. yep, I will go back to Cole. You follow Roland um, across. You you also get a, a good glimpse of this sort of Escher-esque house sky uh, as you cross from one car to another. And uh, you follow Roland into the freight car, which is a... It's very basic boxcar. There's no, there's no sort of embellishment. It's just there's some cargo over here. There's some crates and boxes and barrels. And then in the very center of this freight car is... The chrysalis, which is about four feet tall, uh, and it's being held down. It's been secured by chains, and it's held up by a, a sort of iron manacle. Um, and you see uh, Roland doesn't turn around as you follow him, uh, and he just goes and he just starts tapping on the chrysalis. Uh, and you see he has, a li- well, he has a little notebook with him that he's st- scribbling in. Um, I'm going to interrupt him. I don't think this is a good idea. So I'm going to like close the door as if I've just come through it mm. and then go, are you sure you should be doing that, son? He screams like he, he like, like screams and falls over. He's so startled uh, and, and gets up and like hurriedly like leaves through his notebook and says, oh, uh, 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 so, so, hi, you, hello. Well, what are you doing here? Um, I work on this here train, and really? I was just going this way upon it. Going this way? Oh, right, right, because the caboose, the caboose is where, you know, the, the people, the crew, you, the crew, live. Cool. I'm just going to go this way now, and he gets up and he tries to, like, sort of slide past you into the car. Cole's pretty bulky. Yeah, all right. So I think he can block the door. Okay. Say, so now let's hang on just a minute there. Well, just this is okay. Hi. Hello. I can't help but notice that you seem to be conducting some sort of scientific experiment on that there diamond chrysalis. I, I am a scientist. It's, it's what I do. What exactly were you expecting to find out? Well, I just I like to uh, keep, you know, regular tabs on on it because it's not, you know, uh, well, you know, things change sometimes. But the Chris, this this thing, I found it. I found it in a place, and it doesn't change, and I'm not sure why. And I just like to keep tabs on it and and examine it every so often to make sure that it's not changing. And as he says that, the power goes out. Uh, all of the lights that can't in- be good. All of the lights in the freight car, utter blackness. All of the lights in the wreck car, in the cabin, utter blackness. Everything goes out. You cannot see a thing. Uh, And then, uh, Cole, you hear a very distinctive sound like ice breaking. And... What good news. Yeah, right. That definitely Uh, can't be good. (laughs) Uh, Colonel, you hear Mm -hmm. a scream. And Piston, you get to watch as the Escher house in the twist sort of morphs and changes and shifts. And for a moment, the sky is full of crows. Then the, the, the smokestack which previously was gushing hot coffee and blood starts to emit little pearlescent beads of glass. Uh, and then the entire sky, like it's, it's like a, a, a ripple goes through it. And all of a sudden it's bright reflective crystal. 
Oh, twisting patron of all that is wrong. What have you brought for us this time? Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, the colonel is going to draw his pistol, uh, march back into the cabin, uh, and shout for uh, shout for Albert. Okay. Uh, right. So everything is dark. You can't see anything. And uh, at first, there is no sort of sound. Um, but then when you shout for Albert, you hear a, oh, please, uh, please help, please help. And it's Albert's voice. Uh, and then a moment later, the lights flicker again and sort of come on dimly this time. They're, they're, they're struggling to stay lit. Uh, and there is, um, uh, there is a dead body on the floor. Uh, it is Karina and she is lying in a pool of blood. Oh no! Okay, I'm gonna just grip Albert by the lapel, like just drag him up, uh, gun under the chin, being like, <laughs> "What's going on? Who have you sold us out to?" What? What are you talking about? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you want to roll? Uh, let's see. Stubborn his boots. I will tell you. Let's see. Um, Albert is. Probably not important is his main aspect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and terribly polite is his trouble. Right, I'm going to use, uh, can I use my aspect rail warrior to be a bit more intimidating? Yeah, absolutely. Go go ahead and give that a roll. Get a plus uh, two, I guess is how that works. But yeah, it's, I'm going to have to use forceful, which is only one, uh, but mm. I'm going to take the plus two. So, And using this aspect costs a fate token, right? I believe it That's costs correct. a fate point. Um, which means in total, uh, that is a four. Okay. He starts to cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Colonel is unmoved. Yeah. Uh, he, he says, please, please, I, I didn't mean for any of this to happen. We only, we only meant, we only, I owe lots of people money. I owe lots of people a lot of money. And that thing is worth a lot of money and i only meant i tried to stop her from getting on the train please help i don't know Who what's happened you to her us out too there might be some pirates mm -hmm. somewhere what coming happened? for us uh i'm gonna nod to karina i have no idea i genuinely i genuinely have no idea the lights went out and she screamed and then she, now she's dead Okay, dropping him and uh, and like saying, if you move, I'll shoot you dead. And I'm going to have a look at Karina's body. Sure. Um, she is... Uh, she's very dead. Uh, it seems as though her throat and chest have been torn open with what appear to be extremely surgical sort of precision. But like, it's still in the shape of, of claw marks. Interesting. The sort of like something really sharp, something really sharp and really yes. hard, you know, like something tipped with, I don't know, some sort of incredibly dense, like or uh, hard material. Or hard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, okay. yeah. Something like that. Uh, so as you are uh, examining this, um, I'm going to say Roland, uh, Roland is going to try very hard to get into the into the wreck car to see what's going on. Cole, do you want to stop him? Yes. Okay. Uh, no, actually, I think I want to go with him. Okay. We'll, we will right. go together, but I will keep a grip on his arm as we do. All right. All right. Um, and Jasper has uh, pulled out. Um, he, he's 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 gotten up and he looks. He's like patting himself down, and he seems to realize that he's missing something that he expected to have on him. Uh, and then he looks around and goes, "Where's Roland?" And. Uh, Right as he says that, uh, Roland comes back into the wreck car along with Cole, and the cabin door opens behind uh, behind you, uh, Colonel. And mm -hmm. who is standing there but Karina? <gasps> and she's but fine. She... Okay, uh, I'm probably. Uh, I'm probably. Um, does the train have like an alarm system on it, like a big button to hit to be like? Everyone on alert, things are going really badly. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I'm going to slam the alert button. Uh, okay. And then I'm going to, and then I'm going to shoot new Karina. All right. No! All right. Cool. Um. Yeah. Just yeah. Go ahead. Pull that trigger. Shoot her. Uh. And um. 
Let's see. Actually, I, actually, no. I'm gonna uh, no. Actually, Mo, uh, Colonel Mortimer is very careful. Uh, That's fair. So he's gonna he's gonna put his gun on her and just take a moment to look her over and see if anything looks, I don't know, sharper than that it was before, or whether any of her jewels are, I don't know, more diamondy than they were before. Okay, sure. Uh, nothing looks particularly amiss. She's she's looks terrified. She sees this dead body lying on the ground that looks like her, and she starts like she's like, "Oh God, what's happening? What's 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 going on? Please, please don't hurt me. Please get the gun away from me." And then um, we're gonna uh, wrap up there, I guess, for the first episode. Damn, can yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, things are escalating. Ooh. Escalating rapidly. All right. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, if you would like to be playing in this micro setting or one of seven, potentially more others, you should definitely nine, check out our nine, at Kickstarter. Least, at least nine. Oh. At, at least nine. nine. Maybe eleven if things we're go really very close, well. We're very close to hitting the stretch goal where it would be eleven total micro settings. So ten others. Oh, I am so very excited to get my eyes on ones I've not read. Uh, yeah, check that out in the episode description. Johnny and Sasha, do you have anything else that you would like to direct our dear listener towards? Um, I mean, everything that we do as MacGuffin and Company. Uh, it's we not... have a podcast of our own, which is called No One Wants to Hear Your RPG Stories. So you might want to look at that. Uh, like. Also, uh, anything on, on our site, there's a lot of other games. And we also stream... Uh, you know, I like. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, it's a bit of a. Oh, it's a bit difficult because our, our, our mods are quite unpredictable. You know, they'll often. You can't just... get the stats, can you? <laughs> no, I mean it's it's difficult. It's it's really difficult. But uh, when when our mods aren't completely torpedoing our stream, uh, we <laughs> sorry we, uh, we stream um, MacGuffin and Co on Twitch uh, on Sunday nights. And we stream individually as uh, Johnny Waistcoat and Sasha Sienna. It's a lovely time. Come hang out. I am often there in a feeble moderating capacity. Yeah, for anyone who do- who doesn't know, Jess is one of our mods. I'm not. I'm not just being really not just mean. roasting them. Uh, yeah. Also, if you like the intensely spooky elements that I wasn't expecting, <laughs> Candle Writes Horror. Check out thecarvingbones.com, all one word for. I can never remember the word liturgical. No, liturgical no, is mass. Epistolary. Epistolary horror series. It is horror in the form of emails, letters, and journal entries. It's really, really interesting. Candle's doing some great stuff, but will not tell you how good it is because Candle's <laughs> modest. So I'm telling you. I'm also really into the idea of liturgical horror as well, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, check it out if you like woods and Appalachia and houses that eat people. All right. Um, I like all yeah. those things. <laughs> well, we know by Johnny should be checking out next. Yeah, let's wrap that up there. And we will be back next week with the stunning finale to Twisted Rails Chrysalis. Bye. 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 Bye.